up, we thought food was only something that could be enjoyed. And really, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. So much of life happens in the kitchen. It's a place to gather, to laugh, to burn your meatloaf while the kids do their homework at the kitchen island. So if life is happening in the kitchen, that's where we want to be. It doesn't have to be so hard. We can be great dads and great cooks. This show is about us trying to figure it all out. I'm Chris. And I'm Phil. Welcome to Dad's Kitchen. What was your very first job? I washed cars for like two weeks. Did you enjoy that? Not really. That's why it was only two weeks. I bet you were really good at it, though. It was a terrible place to work. I didn't like it at all, but that's fine. Didn't you work at Abercrombie and Fitch at one point? No. You didn't work there? I thought you did. Was it Hollister no. or anything like that? No. Never sold no? clothes. You never Sorry. popped the collar? Uh, no. Phil, <laughs> what was your first job? I feel like maybe maybe you were fishing for that question. I'm not fishing. Mate, well, okay. It was a lemon factory. <laughs> was it? Honestly? Yeah. Yeah, I worked were you at a five? Was it child? Was it child labor in Costa Rica? Oh, maybe. Well, I don't <laughs> think they would have fired a five-year-old, but I got fired from it because I couldn't concentrate. Uh, I was going to say, first of all, where the heck in Colorado was this lemon factory? But, um, psh, oh, I yeah, like jokes, should, Chris. I'm trying to def- bring in some more jokes to the show. Should definitely cut that. And we'll just start now. Well, you're welcome. You can, you should use okay. that on Molly when you have a call with her tonight. I feel okay. like she's going to uh, may, may, Maybe Maybe I will, Phil. So... Are we talking about lemonade then? Yeah, well, maybe a little bit. We are having a, a fun little get-together over the Zoom about acid. We wanted to uh, talk about acid and, like, what it does to our food. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah. lemon is an acid. I don't know if you knew that, Chris. I did, actually. Yeah. Surprisingly, Phil. Surprisingly. I did know that lemons are acidic. But it's not the only one. There's a lot of different types of acids. Did you know that bananas are acidic? Uh, did you know that honey is acidic? Oh, man, you stole my thunder. I was going to get there later <laughs> in this recording. Yep, honey, honey is acidic. It's actually one of the more beautiful ways to, to use acid in food. And why do we, why do we use acid? It's, um, I don't know, because it sounds cool. Yeah, so of course the acid I'm talking about is the acid that we use in food, in cooking, because it, it, it does play a pretty significant role. And, you know, if you're like me, you've made some dishes that really were just flat out terrible, didn't have good flavor, didn't communicate to the palate that this is something good and that we should have this again. No, it just made me want to throw it away. It made my family want to just like barf all over the table and be like, get out of here with this garbage and let mom cook. Yeah. Okay. So here's a quick question. Maybe you're going to get to this later, but what characteristics would you say that those dishes lacking in acid have? I just think they're lacking balance. Yeah. I think, I think that can definitely be one of it. I mean, I don't want to steal your thunder for a second time, Phil, but um, yeah, I think for me, part of that balance is, is balancing out like the richness of fat. Because if if something is too fatty, acid can definitely cut it. And it also like plays a little bit of a salt-like role in that it adds some flavor enhancement as well as just that like that brightness is is nice in, in general. Sure. Yeah, we like bright foods. Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing is like balancing out things that are too rich. If it feels too heavy, too oily, too fatty, a little bit of acid can really 
bring out that balance that you're talking about. Yeah, 100%. When your food isn't good, basically your your food is out of balance. And, you know, that can look like a lot of different things. A really good example, we've mentioned this, oh, probably just about every other episode on this podcast, but Samin Nosrat's Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, uh, which is a cookbook and also a Netflix series, is basically, in summary, it's the balance of ingredients in foods. And finding out that balance and learning how to use it is kind of what makes food tastes like food actually okay it's kind of it's kind of funny it's almost like our cocktails episodes where you know we're talking about a cocktail having like a a core base spirit and then like a balancing element that helps maybe cut the the harshness of that core and then like a little bit of spice and the the interplay between fat and acid is kind of like that core and the balancing element and the salt comes in as like the little bit of spice for sure. And can I just say, if we're going to stick with the same cocktail codex play, then the last one that we do, part six, I'm really excited about that one because I have some fun ideas and I think you should definitely tune in. I don't know if we're doing a sixth one, if we are. Sure. Is it yeah. the flip? Why not? Yeah. Okay. I have some ideas for the flip. It's going to be fun. Dude, flip, flips are super interesting. Yeah. All right. So Chris, we've obviously touched on this a couple of times already, but but what is it acid? Is it what what is acid? It's more than just a citrus. It can be vinegar. It can be tomato. It can be cheese. Cheese can be an acid. And it can be anything that's fermented. So like if a recipe calls for beer, if you're battering some fish, or if you're gonna make some cocova and you've gotta add an entire bottle of wine to your chicken, that's that's an acid and that's doing quite a bit for your food. And it's, it's important to have that for obviously reasons that you just mentioned. It provides a balance. It, it of course, is, is a, a tenderizer. But I think in regards to that balance, yes. it's, it's, it's kind of the counterpart to like the four S's or is what I like to consider as the four S's, which are sweet, salty, starchy, and spicy. And so, again, if like your food is out of whack, if it's out of balance, if it just doesn't taste good, maybe just try to consider like where is acid playing in, in, in the role of that dish. And I might go so far as to say that every dish should have acid in one form or another. I don't think I'd argue with you on that one, Phil. I think it, it, it can be like a super integral part to just about every dish in terms of, of achieving like a, kind of like you said, a balanced flavor, but also something that maybe has like a little bit more depth and interest in to just step back to one thing that you said real quick and plug a previous episode. That's Please. that's why that's why Samin's buttermilk chicken is amazing is because buttermilk is an acid and yeah. acids are tenderizers. And if you're brining that sucker for 24 hours, you're going to have an amazing chicken. So again, I, I know everybody knows how much we love that, but it is fantastic. Do you think we've plugged any other chef or any other recipe more than that? On this Probably show? not. I'm not sure we have. Well, Molly, we plug her baking a lot. I suppose. I suppose. Well, and speaking of Samin, we, we kind of have her to think a little bit, or at least her heritage, because the Persians were kind of the first ones to introduce this idea of really? using acid as food. And then obviously, like, the, that transitioned over to uh, Hispanic foods and, and Mexican food and my favorite food, your favorite food. The one food that we keep saying we're going to talk about on this show, but we're still yet to do an episode on it, and that's tacos. Iron tacos, Hispanic food. Yeah, aren't they? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It, it sounded like you were adding that in addition to. In addition to Hispanic food, there's also tacos. No, I'm saying that as like a... <laughs> 
like a subsidiary of. So we can talk about Hispanic food, but then then later on we'll talk about burritos and enchiladas and tacos. <laughs> I, I'm fine uh, if tacos are culinary cuisine of their own because they kind of are. No, but do you remember they, like we, we had talked about how one day we were going to do an episode on tacos, but then we just continued yeah, plugging maybe, it over and over maybe, again. Maybe and next week, it. yeah. So not all of those cuisines that you mentioned have access to the exact same ingredients, Phil. So not everyone can work at a lemon factory, is yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Some of us just sprayed cologne at Abercrombie and Fitch and passers by just walked along unsuspecting. It is interesting that all of these different cultures realized that they had these acids of their own and applied them to their different culinary forms in kind of the same ways and for some of the same reasons. Yeah, like, you know, you mentioned that honey is an acid and I don't I don't know where we kind of like figured this whole thing out with what's an acid and what's what's not. I mean, I don't know where pH scales like available to all these cultures around the world a thousand years ago. I have no idea, but it's really quite remarkable like all the different things that are acids. Obviously, coffee is pretty acidic. Chocolate is an acid, although I'm fairly certain milk chocolate is not quite as acidic as dark chocolate. Bananas, I think. I think we mentioned bananas, right? Some fruits, cranberries and things like that. But all these things, and then you mentioned honey, which is really fascinating to me. All of these different things can be used as an acid to kind of balance out the meal. I think obviously our most traditional acids, though, are going to be, like traditionally used in, in cooking, are going to be citruses, like orange, lemon, lime, maybe some grapefruit, probably lemon more than anything, vinegars. So whether that's like a wine-based vinegar or a rice vinegar, I think rice vinegar to me is actually one of the more neutral vinegars because a lot of them, you know, are going to kind of impart their own flavor, like an apple cider vinegar. But yeah, even even wines themselves, like pre-vinegar stage, like those I think are all of the more commonly used acids. Those those things are things that are going to fall on the acidic side of the pH scale as opposed to like a basic side. Yeah, and then so like this pH scale, I mean... I think most of us know what that is, but it's it's this thing in science. And we established in our organic foods and GMOs episodes that we are scientists. And so I guess we're qualified to talk about the pH scale, Chris. It's, it's this chart basically from 1 to 14. And closer to the 1 are the more acidic foods. And then on the higher end past the 7, closer to the 14s, those are going to be your base foods. And it's like pretty amazing like how many things that we consume on a daily basis are on the acidic side but lemons are a 2.4 which um are one of the more acidic foods that that's we eat that's pretty acidic that's pretty tart that's pretty puckery i think an orange is like a four but then you know i think some of like your your greens like kale i don't know check me on that i'm pretty sure those are going to be more basic so how do we use acid in our cooking like when when do we know or like how do we know how much to use? Uh, what kinds of ratios should we be using? Like you, I, I, I seem to remember we, we covered salad dressings and you're the expert on that. That was an early episode dating back to the, to the archives. If you're going to make salad dressing, because for anyone that's listened to that episode and you totally should, you know, Chris is not the type of person to have ranch dressing in his refrigerator because he's amazing. But we all know that because we're all... We're all believers. So you're making your salad dressing. What type of ratio do you use with your acid versus the fat? Uh, I actually made a salad dressing tonight, 
And of course you did. Well, doing the whole bachelor thing. I just super simple dinner, chicken thighs. That's what bachelors do. And some salad, made some salad dressing. But honestly, uh, for that, I just throw stuff together. I love that. Kind of like some, a taste as you go thing. Just try it out and yeah, see what works. 100%. Yeah. So uh, some olive oil, a little bit of salt, some raspberry jam, some honey, and then some red wine vinegar. And tried it. And if it tasted too oily, I put a little bit more vinegar in it. If it was too tart, I'd put a little bit more oil. But actually, it was like perfect the first time, just eyeballed it. So I'm sorry that I'm not any help here, Phil, but uh, I didn't use any ratios with my salad dressing. I used taste, which everybody should be doing as they're making things. And we've talked about this. Taste as you go. And let's continue talking about it. I bet that you were probably on like a two to one ratio. So two parts fat, one part acid is generally a good rule of thumb when making salad dressing. And then, yeah, you can like add in your salt and your other fun stuff too, like your raspberry. What did you use? Raspberry honey? What was it? Red no, it was like and a, honey. It was a raspberry jam and then honey. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also like my salad dressing a tiny bit on the tart side. So it might have been a little bit more balanced. More well, more equal parts. Closer to, closer to equal parts there. It could be. It could be. Could be, could be, could be. I think like if you're gonna go to the grocery store and buy a bottle of Newman's own, it's probably gonna be a two to one. They're they're not tasting it as they go. <laughs> no, definitely not. The robotic arms are not feeding themselves. No. Well, maybe. I don't now, know. Have you if, been to one of their plants, Phil? No, I actually have a friend who is a robotic welder. He's an engineer and then they like make robots that do welding and so it's it's kind of funny i thought you were friends with a robot but oh maybe he is a robot that's cool too i guess i've never actually seen him make a mistake have you seen him eat anything or sleep what about blink no oh have you ever had a conversation with someone that doesn't blink sometimes i'm blinking at you phil Sometimes I try to not blink in a conversation to see if the other person notices. Like it, It's remarkable how easy it is to pick up on someone that doesn't blink. It's really quite fun. You should try it. Next time you're in okay. like a sales meeting or like some presentation, just never blink. Because that's the perfect time. Establish dominance by not blinking. Exactly. Exactly. So some other ratios where some of this stuff comes into play is when you're marinating You know, oftentimes your marinade will call for both an acid and a fat and obviously like some salt as well. But with a marinade, you can typically go one to one. So if you're going to do some buttermilk chicken, for example, the butter and the acid within the buttermilk are going to come to play in equal parts there. If you're going to make your own buttermilk. Yeah. (laughs) Equal parts milk and lemon juice. (laughs) That's a helpful tip if you need to make buttermilk. Uh, That you can add lemon juice juice or vinegar. Yeah. Because yeah, so like one to one to one on the ratio. But then if you're simmering or you're braising, this is kind of an interesting ratio because it's it's not really so important as to in, in terms of the ratios that you're using so much during the process. It's just that at the very end of your braise or your simmer, it's sometimes a good idea to add a little bit of fat to like thicken it up, which could be in the form of like a butter or some sort of milk or. Chris's favorite creme fraiche. One of those. It should probably be butter because, yeah, yes, butter. Everything should have butter, wine, and shallots. Oh, man. That's it. We should take that to the next G7 summit. And I'm fairly certain we'll win. Okay. All right. <laughs> the we'll, peace we'll contest. Win. We'll win okay. the peace contest. I thought you were going to talk about, like, I don't know, global talks for peace. Maybe. Sure. I don't know. 
We're going to Geneva, baby. That's how you take over the world. I this suppose, episode, maybe. man. Is that what you're getting at? I wasn't planning on going <laughs> there at all. One of my favorite ways to surprise my family with some really yummy breakfast foods, which I didn't realize this was very prominent in acid until I started researching this. But then I was like, oh, I totally do this, is to take a baguette, which my wife, Ashley, just made three baguettes this weekend. Surprised me with it. And that was kind of cool. Take a baguette, slice it up, put it in the broiler in the oven and put some goat cheese on it with some green apples and honey. And it's amazing like what the acid in the goat cheese does to that dish. And it's absolutely delicious. And I think you should try that, Chris. Okay. Definitely. Definitely love goat cheese. So good. Wait, really? That's on the list of things you don't like? I know. I know that we've kind of established that this is like ending up being a show about the things that I don't like. Honestly, I don't. I, I, I don't. I'm sorry. You could do it with ricotta cheese and it's still pretty delicious. Not quite as acidic. I think a ricotta cheese is like probably a six on the pH scale. Where the goat cheese might be more like a four or five. You like ricotta. Do it with ricotta. But you have, okay, I, I can do that. I, I can I can definitely get behind that. But honey is on there. And I sure. think I saw that honey was actually a 3.9. So it might be more acidic than your goat cheese. So there you go. Well, there you go. The more you know. There, there you go, rainbows. Phil. There you go. What are some <laughs> ways you use acid in your food, Chris? Give us an example Tell the people the people need to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Phil, I think we've talked about several things that I've used acid in often. I think it does make a great meat tenderizer. Actually, kind of in that meal planning that I was doing over this weekend, which I think we talked about in a previous episode, I was marinating some chicken thighs for tacos. I was pre-cooking some chicken for those tacos. And I uh, just kind of made a quick little marinade of, of lime juice, some olive oil, and then some kind of Mexican style spices. Which are? Cayenne pepper and cumin and paprika. I think those were pretty much what I threw in there, some salt and pepper. Actually turned out pretty good. But that lime juice I was hoping would help tenderize the chicken thighs, even though like chicken thighs don't really actually need to be tenderized any more than they already are because they're amazing. Maybe the perfect part of the chicken. But then also... Salad dressing. Well, it we doesn't need to be about. cooked. Well, I mean, it's pretty my tender. My dog doesn't but you, think so. When you cook it, it is not as tender. So it's a good idea to bring in the tenderizer at that point. Well, sure. Did you say your dog doesn't think so? No, she loves them raw. Actually, <laughs> actually, you know the the little like so on the bottom of a, a package of of any type of chicken, really. There's that little moisture absorbing packet thing. Yeah, she loves eating those whole. It's the most disgusting thing. <laughs> That's anyway, so funny uh, <laughs> that you gave your dog that to begin with. Oh yeah, no, we just we just save them just for her. She doesn't jump up on the counter and steal them or <laughs> dig through the trash to steal them at all, Phil. But yeah, I'd say Perfect. that, and and honestly, I think we actually just end up uh, we we kind of end up using well either acid or an oil as like a little bit of a, a finishing ingredient on a dish often. So if say we had like a pasta that was too oily, we might like sprinkle some lemon juice or balsamic or something like that over the top of it to help. Cut that and you know bring that dish into balance and obviously we use it while cooking cooking with wine is one of my favorite things in the world like i just love that smell but probably more than anything is like using it to kind of balance a dish at the end i was making something the other day i can't remember what it was but the recipe called for a sherry a cooking sherry at the very end and i forgot that step and it didn't really turn out and then i 
realized, oh, I forgot the sherry, added the sherry, and it like completely made it. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how much something like that can change a dish, whether it's adding and a little it, bit of olive oil or, or some type of like vinegar. And yeah. it was like a tablespoon. Well, so yeah. Thumbs up for that, Phil. Yeah. I don't know how he'd close it. I don't know. He just, he just... C- cut to me laughing more. The image of Rude rummaging through the trash for the chicken sponge. Well, thanks, Chris. And I look forward to learning more about this whole concept of balancing foods and ingredients. And um, I don't know, maybe we do an episode on fat in and of itself. I know we hit cooking oils, but honestly, fats go so much beyond that. And I think we did a butter episode. Let's bring them all together. Let's do yeah. an episode on fats. I think you kind of have to just because fats and acids really have a dualistic relationship, a symbiotic relationship. They they exist together and harmonize together. And, and if yeah. you have one without the other, you've got some problems. Yes, very much so. So I think that's a fantastic idea, Phil. And we would love to hear how you're using your acids and your fats and or anything, hit us up. Send us an email, hello at dadskitchenco.com. And while you're on the internet, it's not that hard to jump over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating. Yes, and, that, and after you do that, send us a picture of you using anything. Like acid. <laughs> <laughs>